every time I do it, I feel so stupid, but I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> there you have it. Um, okay, so this week is Parsha's Korach. It starts at chapter 16. Okay, um, preface before we get started. This Shabbos, this upcoming Shabbos, is Shabbos Mavarchim again. Um, it kind of feels like it's always Shabbos Mavarchim. Every time we blink, it's Shabbos Mavarchim again. Okay, so we're blessing the new month. We're blessing the month of Tammuz this week. Um, and so we have the Shalom. We have the the overlap of um, we have the overlap of Sivan and Tammuz this Shabbos, meaning we're still quite in the month of Sivan. We're still in this month of receiving Torah, right? Which is pretty much the theme of Sivan. And then Tammuz is where we're starting to move into like the beginning place of, of destruction, right? The three weeks are going to start in the month of Tammuz. We have the, set, the, fast, the, fast. We have the fast of the 17th of Tammuz. Um, it's kind of that play, the three weeks of morning starts. So it's like, is Rosh Chodesh no, no, no. This Shabbos is Shabbos from Varchim. Uh, Rosh Chodesh is actually Wednesday and Thursday. And for everybody who is still here, Rika is going to be doing a halal for women in the show, a musical halal in the show Wednesday morning. We did that once before for Adra, we did it. So we're going to do it again for, for Thomas, for whoever's here. That's Wednesday morning. It's, it's like a transitional month. I mean, if the whole book is transition, like this Shabbos is again a transitional Shabbos. We're, we're, one foot almost in each month we have you know we have the you know every we're still very in sivan and yet we're starting to look towards and bless tammuz and and how does that you know interact so i would you know i guess my bracha to all of us is that we we schlep and it, it's also like so crazy that we are actually um like we're moving we're moving into like you know this is our last class together for this for the session like and so really my bracha is that we we schlep Torah into wherever we're going. With ease. With nachas. With ease, with nachas, with, you know, no, I want to say something. The, uh, I guess it's... Huh? Schlepping nachas. Schlepping nachas. For real? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fine. But we want to schlep Torah. And I, I'll tell you... Huh? Cool. <laughs> of course, they live in Nachlaot, a band called Schlepping Nachas. Um, but, um, but I want to say this upcoming month, the 17th of Thomas is going to be, we have a fast, fast day coming up. That's the beginning of the three weeks. Huh? No, the major is Tisha B'Av. The 17th of Thomas is also a big one, but Tisha B'Av is like the big one. That's in August. Um, what might, what's saying? No, stick with me, ladies. I think, I think, you know, when you're in a learning program, and I don't want to like be one of those people like every class is going to be in this is our life, whatever. But when you're in a learning program, it's so easy to learn. It's there on a platter. You just have to show up and learn. And the question is, how do we integrate that into whatever our real life is? And the more we can, yes, we can schlep because sometimes it's not as easy. You know, here it's easy. It's there. The classes are there. The teachers are there. Everything's there. You just have to like kind of be there right? Which is a challenge. I'm not saying it's not a challenge, but the place of how do we schlep it into our real life? How do we make the space and create the space? Because we, we've spoken about this in many different things, many different areas about when we don't create space for things, we do not have that space. If we do not block out time, 
we, we spoke about it for self-care and for all those kind of things. But if we do not block out time for Torah or figure out how we're going to integrate Torah, it is not going to happen. And, and, and we're say like, whoa, like where did that, how did that, you know, sort of disappear? Because in the beginning, it's, it's going to be a little bit harder. It's going to be a little bit inconvenient because it isn't so easy. And it's like, I have so many other things to do. And I, da, 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 da. So yeah, that's my first bracha that we're, this Shabbos, we're integrating Sivan and Tammuz. And we should really figure out how to schlep Torah into our lives, into every, every space. And, and one of the things we know about Torah um, done properly is that it comforts. It, te- it comforts. It teaches and it inspires and all those kind of things. But there is a place of comfort within Torah, especially if we're going into Tammuz, which is a, a challenging kind of month. We want to like up our arsenal of the things that we go to that are our, our comfort space, not just our comfort foods, which we go to easily, but we're, what are our comfort, you know, who are the, which are the shiurim that I like to listen to and which is the things that I like to go to, to kind of create that space of, of Torah and, 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 uh, uh, this, uh, uh, an embracing space of, an embracing space of Torah. So that's my first bracha that we actually think about it and make the space for it and then, and then deal with it. Okay. This week's Parsha is Korach. Okay, now most of Korach is one theme. The end of Korach talks about uh, uh, talks about the gift. It, it talks about two things at the end. We're not going to get into it. So that's why I want to just talk about it now. The end of the Parsha of Korach talks about the obligation of the Kohanim and the Levites to guard the temple and the tabernacle premises to make sure that people don't come close. And the end, end, end is all the gifts that are given to the Kohanim. They're told that they do not get any land in the land of Israel. And Hashem is their portion. And Hashem is their, you know, Hashem Hashem is your portion. You don't get any land. And going to an agricultural society, that's a little bit of an issue because they don't have like a whole foods, just get all their stuff. Um, and they are going to be give, they're going to be supported from the people. And there are different gifts that every time people have a grain or a dough or all animals, all different kinds of things. There's different kinds of gifts that we give to the Kohanim. And there's also a gift, and the same thing is told to the Levites, to the Levium, and we also have gifts that we give to the Levium. And one of the things that the the one of the gifts that we give to the Levites is ten percent of our crop. My Shani goes to the Levites, and the Levites of that ten percent have to give two percent to the Kohanim. So they're also giving tithes. So that that's the end of the parsha, which we're not really going to get into right now, but it's kind of that's going to be there at the end. Okay, so that's part of our parsha. Korach is our big part, is our big conversation this time, this time. What do we know about Korach without even looking into the, without looking into the Chomish? What do we know about Korach? Rebellion. Not sacrifice, rebellion. What did you say? That's going to be that, that's going to be the end of the rebellion. Got swallowed up by the ground. So we, we, we got like a kind of picture of what's going on over here. What's very interesting, we're going to kind of build this a little bit. We start from. Vaikach Korach, chapter 16, verse 1. Vaikach Korach, ben Yitzar, ben Kahas, ben Levi. Okay, that's person number one who gets a nice long lineage title. Datan Aviram, who we've heard about before, right? Our, our, no, no, no. Datan Aviram. We're there every, not the prophets. The prophets were Eldad and Medad. Datan Aviram, every time there is a problem in the camp, Datan and Aviram are always involved in it. Like when we talk, even and these people put mana out on Shabbos, 
Datan Vaviram, who was, you know, rabble-rousing here. It was Datan Vaviram. So just shockingly enough, Datan Vaviram are involved in this. The dynamic duo. The dynamic duo are at it again, exactly. Um, uh, so they're, uh, so B'nai Eliyav and Ra'on ben Pelet, who's from the tribe of Reuven. Okay. Now, if you remember our, our map of the camp of the Jewish people, this is the Mishkan marker. Okay. This was the Mishkan, the family of Kahat, camped over here, and Reuven was underneath, right? Reuven, Shimon, and God. No, not God. Yeah, God, God. Reuven, Shimon, and God were over here at the bottom. So when we have a Balagan starting from the family of Kahat, because Korach ben Yitzhar ben Kahat, right? Where's the first place it's going to spread is to his neighbors. And Rashi actually brings that, you know, we know there's a, it's good for, you know, tov tzadik, tov it's good for tzadik, and it's good for their neighbors. And in this case, he brings it's bad for a Russian, it's bad for their neighbors. And, and what's interesting you know, because because Rebbe expounds it, like kind of, how do you blame these people? They were next to this guy who's starting a, re a rebellion, and and they got sucked in. You can't, you know, how do you blame them for being part of it? And yet we know that, and and the Rebbe talks about in Sicha that the Hashgacha Pratis put you in this place, right? Like it's not like oh, I chose to live in the neighborhood, like you know, Lo chose, you know, chose to live in Sodom, and that's like reflects poorly on him. Here, Hashem's like. These are your neighbors. This is how this camp is going to be laid out. You guys are next to you guys. So like, what do you want for me? And yet, even so, Hashem's like, if you're there, it doesn't mean like I just get to like get a pass with my bad behavior because I happen to have a terrible neighbor. Like, it's more challenging. It's harder. And yes, you should be careful about how you choose your neighbors. But, um, but the fact is that it doesn't matter who your neighbors are. You're still responsible for your behavior. Total tangential, not related at all, but kind of related because not Parsha, but it's very related to this. When my parents bought their first home and they wrote to the Rebbe, did I tell you story? they wrote to the Rebbe and they asked for a blessing to move into their new home. And the Rebbe told them to look at the neighbors and they looked around and they saw all these nice Jewish families, you know, these Jewish couples. And they're like, wow, this is a great place. Bought a house there. Within five years, all the older Jewish couples who lived on that block had retired and moved to Florida. And the people who moved in were not the best neighbors. And so when it was time for them to then buy their next house and they looked around and they saw young Jewish couples with young children who were then going to be raising children, they're like, these are people, this is, check out your neighbors and say, this is what's gonna happen. And so, yeah, we grew up, you know, I grew up on a block where 98% of the block were Jewish kids that we played with and fought with and, you know, got into mischief with. So, you know, so that's, that's in Crown Heights. Yeah, yeah. So, so there is a place of the neighbors. And um, so there's, here we could argue, God put you in this place. God told the tribe of Ruben, you're going to sit here next to the, the family of Kahas. And you could say, well, God, you did it for me. And I'm like, at the same time, no, that's not how it works. You're still responsible for your, for your issue. An interesting thing, and before we're going to go on, is that we're not going to hear about Own Ben Pellet anymore after this first introduction. There are basically four ringleaders to the situation. And uh, we don't hear about Own that when On came home after that first, you know, meeting of the of the rabble rousers, which could be a band, by the way, rabble rousers could totally be a band, right? So when he came back and he said, 
we're going up against Moshe tomorrow. And his wife was like, are you out of your mind? Moshe? Moshe's God's person. Like, what are you? He, no, no, no. And he starts getting the whole logic and the whole, what we're doing. And she's like, okay, honey. Okay, honey. And, and, um, and, and Medrash tells us that she actually, uh, I don't know if she gave him wine or he was still sleeping. She sat at the front of her tent with her hair uncovered and she was brushing out her hair. And when Korach and the cohorts came to go get own and they saw her, they walked away, which is A, the power of a woman and being able to sort of finesse the situation without making a fight about it. And I do want to point out, these are people who are going to fight with Moshe. And we could say like, what difference does it make? Really? You know, every, all, all, the, all, all the means are okay. And no, 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 here's a woman whose hair is uncovered. They're not going near that tent. So when we say, who are the people that are involved in this? This becomes another layer of complication. They're not just like people who were just playing Sheshbesh and the Shuk had nothing better to do. These are leaders and these are thinkers and these are top people in their communities with real claims, with real issues. And, 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 and here's another layer to it. Like they are tzaddikim until they're not. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, cause I don't do this, I don't do that. Like, whatever, I just thought that's a very interesting thing. Okay, um, one last thing, one last thing that the Medrash tells us specifically about his name is that, and it's, it's first to bring it in Pirkeiovos, um, in Pirkeiovos, uh, I forgot which week, it talks about what is a, a machloket, which, which kind of argument, what is an example of an argument that is for the sake of heaven? And what does it answer? Hmm? No, not think about it. They give us a, a specific example. The Pirkeiovos gives us gives a specific example. Uh, it's Hill and Shammai. But yeah, say by, you were close, right? Who, what's the example of, an, of a machlekes l'shem shamayim, an argument that is for the sake of heaven? And the answer is Hill and Shammai. And then it says, and what is an example of a machlekes, of an argument that is not for the sake of heaven? Korach v'adatov. It says Korach and his cohorts. And what's very interesting, it's not Korach and Moshe. We're talking about which is, the, where is the, the, in, in, in South Africa, they use the word faribble. A faribble is like a, an issue, like, right? So we have a machleka. So who is, it's not Kairach and Moshe that the Pirkei House brings. It says Kairach and his whole community, meaning every single person who's involved in this argument, they're not one, you know, theme of this is what our issue is. We have many, many, many issues going on under the same umbrella. And that's really, you know, if you want to know where the proof is that it's not, um, not, a, not a, a, a for heaven based, that doesn't make sense in English, um, kind of argument is because they themselves didn't agree on what their issue was. They themselves did not agree on what, you know, what the, what the position was. Okay. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. So anyway, they come to Moshe um, and Hasidus explains that this is a direct outcome of the spies so direct outcome of there's a there's a obviously in the in the sages there's a there's a machoikis good one uh when did this happen it's if you look at this the timeline it's kind of right at the event right before that's listening to the torah is the story with the spies um and so Korach's like wait a second if the issue with the spies was that they didn't want to go into the land of israel they wanted to have all the intentions and the high spiritual life, but not the actual practical mitzvahs. So that means that practical mitzvahs are the most important thing. Whoa, 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 whoa. 
then why do we have emotion? Why do we have a clay guttel? Why do we have division? Why do we have hierarchy in Judaism? Because it doesn't matter. Everybody's tefillin looks the same. Everybody's Shabbos candles are the same. Everybody make, well, they didn't make brachas there, but because that's rabbinic. But everybody's doing like, you know, whatever we're doing, it's all the same. If the intention doesn't matter, but the action matters, which is what the lesson of the spies was like, God said, go to land Israel, make the place a holy place. And they said, no, like if that wasn't, the point was like, okay, so that's not the answer. If, it, if, if it's not just the spiritual intention, blah, 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 behind. So then, okay, so if it's just about Mrs., then, then why not have everybody have a turn to be Kohen Gadol? Sorry, I lost you. Can you say it again? The spies said, we don't want to go into the land of Israel because in the land of Israel, we have to do mitzvahs, yeah, right? Physical mitzvahs. We could stay here. We're so much greater. We're so much more spiritual. We're enveloped with clouds. We're eating mana. We're learning from Moshe. We want to stay here. And God's like, boom, wrong answer, right? Oh, wait a second. So it means the spiritual intention and everything behind it is not the main point of mitzvahs. It's the actual mitzvah, right? The, the end of the spies was like, no, you were supposed to go to the land of Israel. You're supposed to do mitzvahs. The intention is the lesser important part of it. So Karach's like, whoa, if it's about intention, okay. Moshe, you got your place. This one has this place. This one has that place. Like, I understand this. But if you're telling me that it's not about the intention, it's about the mitzvah, then that's, then that's, that changes the whole playing field. Then we have a whole different conversation going on. Because if it's about the actual action, anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. Any mitzvah, any mitzvah. Right? Anybody can do it. So why are you going to tell me only one person is going to be the Kohen Gadol from a specific family? And <clears throat> it's not me. It's my cousin. Right? They're both from the children of Kahas. Korach and Aaron are both from the children of Kahas. They're from different brothers. So anybody could be Kohen Gadol. Why does it have to be a Levite specifically? Why can't it be anybody? Why can't anybody have a chance to offer this out offer the katoras which is the most the behavior like if you tell me it's about intention okay Aaron he's up there and I'm less and somebody else is less but if it's about just doing it just you know Nike just do it but who cares who does we should all have a chance to do it and in fact we're going to find um your den pointed out that what is it the, the test is going to come through the offering of the katoras Again, right? It's like, hello, have we not heard it? And Moshe's like, in, so they come, so let me back, I'm just putting some of the pieces in. So now we have like, if it's about action, then Korach's like, now I have a complaint. And the complaint is, why you? Why not everybody? Why we all heard God at Sinai? We were all part of it. He says something that's such a powerful, powerful line. He says to Moshe in verse three, they all gather together. They get together. 250 people. Here are their head honchos. Here are the everything there. They took they took leaders of the tribes. They took, they, they convinced great people of the validity of their argument. You come to Moshe and to Aaron and they say to them, Rav Lachem, you have taken too much for yourselves. Kikal Ha'eda, where am I? Verse three. Yeah. Ch chapter 16, verse three. Verse three. They gather to Moshe and Aaron and they say to them, Rav Lachem, you have taken too much. The entire congregation is holy. And we, Hashem is amongst all of us. Why are you elevating yourself above all the people? 
Maze, why are you any better than anybody else? Question. What Karim does is he starts a rebellion. He started a rebellion. He started a rebellion against Motion Arm because he said it's about mitzvah and anybody should be able to do Karim Exactly. 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 And he's and 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 his and the truth of the matter is there is validity to what he's saying. We are all holy, but imperfected state and we have a, a geula kind of life and, and and korach is looking to a geula space where everybody could do everything and here in this reality it doesn't work like that there are divisions and there are there is we do have kohanim and we do have levites we do have Israelim, we have different kind of people and we all know it's true of all of our, of our lives not everybody can be everything I'm sorry, like, you know, it's very like shocking to, to, to children today. Not everybody can be everything. If I don't have a head for math, you know, I got to give up that dream or I have to choose to work really hard. If I can't, if I, let's say as a random example, if I don't really have musical talent, I'm not going to be a concert pianist. I, maybe I could practice and learn and think, but it's that the difference between the people who have the talent and who work it and the people who just work it, not everybody can do everything. You know, maybe we could say, it's, you know, if everybody had enough, all exactly the same opportunities. Yes, yes, no, no. You know, if you're not a certain height, you can't be a stewardess. Rachel Gittel was checking, up, checking that up and saying, uh, yeah, so you need to be a certain height to be a stewardess. Why? Because that's the rule. It doesn't, you know, I can't be a stewardess. I don't really want to be a stewardess. I, once I realized that there are waitresses on, in planes, I decided I don't want to be a stewardess anyway. But there are certain things we can't be everything. But Korach is saying, in a perfected state, everybody could do everything. And Moshe's like, Moshe actually says, I also want to be a Kohen Gadol. I also would love to do this, but I can't. Hashem made divisions in the world. He made healthy borders. And when we break those borders, we're messing really with creation. I would love it. There's a place that I would love to do this, this, this Avaita as well, but I can't. And I need to be able to go to the situation of the reality that is and say, wanting it doesn't cost anything. It's, there's a certain amazing thing of wanting to be holy and wanting to connect to holiness. The question is, is this actually going to help me become holy or is this going to not? Is this my selfish you know, manifestation of what I want to do, or am I really doing what Hashem wants to, for me to do? So Hashem, so, so, so Moshe says to Korach and to all his people, uh, in the morning, Hashem will let us know who he has chosen. And we're going to do, this is going to be the litmus test. Everybody is going to bring a ktoris. Everybody's going to bring a fire pan that has the incense and you're all going to bring it. But you should just know, because your reaction was right. When you, we say ktoris and your eyebrows went up, Everybody knows what happens with Ketoros. They're not so far away from Nadav and Avihu who passed away because of Ketoros. They brought an unauthorized Ketoros and they're like, and they died. Like, this is big stuff. This is dealing with a nuclear reactor with no protection. Go for it. But just know, and Moshe says to them, there will be one man standing afterwards. There's only going to be one person. Do you want to go in or out? You in or out? Everybody, 250 people. And Aaron, and God's going to choose one person and all the rest of you are going to die. So it's interesting because we talk about who's going <laughs> to, they've seen this in action. You know what I mean? Like 
who's going to still do it? And it's so interesting that Chassidus talks about, you have Korach, who really, really believed that he was going to be the man standing because he actually had a, he had a prophecy. And he knew that one of his descendants was going to be Samuel the prophet. And he's like, if I have descendants, I'm going to make it through. But he also had living children and they made it through. Okay, so his children are actually going to be the ones. So he sees, he sees incorrectly. They're all going to bring Katoris. They're all going to bring Katoris. He, he thinks he's going to be the man standing. Moshe has, knows that Aaron was chosen by Hashem. It's not like I made this up. This is Hashem's decision of what's going on. And Hasidah says in all those 250 elders, the, the heads of their tribes, they knew they were going to die. They wanted the chance to offer Katoris once in their lifetime. They did not expect to come out of it alive. They were not fighting with Moshe. They were not, they were not challenging, him, challenging him on the validity of what he was saying. Because Korach is saying, you're making this all up. This is all baloney. It's nepotism. You did this. You did this. You make these choices. Hashem, Moshe's like, I didn't choose anything. Hashem told me what to do. Hashem said, Aaron should be the high priest. And this is, it's, it's, all, it's all from Hashem. So 250 people, so, so Korach is arguing with Moshe. Dustin Aviram, the dynamic duo, there's a fight. They're in it, right? They're ready to come to a fight. And, and the 250 people are willing to die to have that close expression with Hashem that bringing Ketoros offers because they're going to be given permission to bring Ketoros. So they're going to have the connection, but it's going to kill them. And they're willing to go there because that's, I mean, they're not fighting with Moshe. They're like, do you need to do this? I'm in, I'm in, right? I'm going to bring the Ketoros. They know it's going to kill them. They know it's going to kill them. And still that lure of that intense holiness is so great that they're like, Question? So they're so they're coming to Kor. They're they're list, They hear his argument, but Chassidus explains when Moshe says the test is going to be Torah, you know, and and be aware of what it is. That that in a way didn't scare them. There is a conversation amongst the sages if he had a if he had permission if he didn't have permission if he didn't on his own was because what happens is after they have this and there's a plague that breaks out and people start dying then the, the people start saying you killed the, the nation of God and it's like I killed the nation of God really you guys you know but because and there's some unfortunately say that he that Moshe wasn't should not have let them should not have made the offer of Ketoros but clearly one of the things that we know about Moshe is when he says something, it's coming from God. He really isn't making up anything on his own. He really isn't coming to this on his own. And so there has to be, you know, we got that as well. So so this is going to be the showdown. Now, one of the things that we know about Boker, we know about daylight, daylight, daylight always means revelation. It also means morning. When Moshe says in the morning, we're going to, you know, A, it's going to be a place of more revelation of Hashem. And it's also um, give people a chance to sleep over this, sleep overnight and kind of calm down and stall a little bit and see if we could diffuse the situation. That night, when the Torah describes it, Rashi brings part of it and, and, and the Torah tells part of it. Moshe tries to make peace with Korach and the Tan and Abiram, and he goes to them. He goes to speak to them, and they refuse to speak to him. 
they refuse. They, they stand at their tent and the Torah describes how they stand at the front of their tent with their wives and their children with this, this arrogance. And they're like, we are not going to come up to you. We are not going to speak to you. We have nothing to say to you. I'm paraphrasing the Chumash, but it's in the next couple of Pesukim. And, and Moshe is like, God, I never took anything from these people. I never, everything I did is all because of you. Um, and, and do not listen to any part of their argument. And he says, at Moshe Dobbins, and it's, I'm trying to find it over here. Chapter 16, verse 15 and 16 and 17, where they're talking about what they should do. And, and Moshe, Moshe Dobbins, um, uh, basically, first of all, so before that, Moshe's like, it's all from Hashem. You're, you're arguing with Hashem. You're not arguing with me. I didn't do this on my own. And Korach, you're from the family of Kahas. You guys carry the ark. It's not like you have like the shabby little job. Like you're, you're a real person. You have like a lot of stuff going on over there. Um, and, he, and then, and, um, is we basically blah, blah, blah. and then over here he says so they say well you didn't take us the land of milk and honey and da, 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 you didn't do it and blah blah so then uh, Moshe gets very very upset in, in verse fifteen he gets very very upset and he says to Hashem do not turn to their offering I never took anything from them I never took a donkey I never I never made I never did bad to any of them and Hashem said uh, sorry Moshe says to Korach. Um, all of you stand in front of Moshe, stand in front of Hashem tomorrow, and everybody's going to take their Torahs, and they're going to bring this, and then, um, uh, and then, um, in Shlishi, in the third Aliyah, which is at verse 20, so Moshe, Hashem says to Moshe and Aaron, he says, stay away from, stay away from these people, and I'm going to destroy them. One of the things that Moshe sees in this whole situation he sees that he can't reason with these people. And so what he's trying to do now is to contain the damage to, that this shouldn't spread. So he wants to sort of calm everybody down. He wants to come and we'll meet tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow. We'll calm down, calm down. He comes to make peace with them and they are not interested in making peace with him. Um, and, um, and, and so when, then I was like, okay, I'm going to destroy everybody. And then, Hashem, and then Moshe down with Hashem and he says in verse 22, the motion are and fall on their face and they say to Hashem, you know the hearts of people. You know one person is going to sin and everybody should be punished for it. Like it doesn't make sense. You know, it's not like a human being doesn't know who did it. You know, you know, you can't, you can't just wipe everybody out because because they're, they're because of how they're behaving. So um, so then uh, so Hashem says to so Hashem says to Moshe to tell everybody to go away from Korah and Datana Naviram's tents. And everybody kind of went back, and um, and Hashem Moshe says Moshe has tried to make peace with them, and he says, in case if you want to know, in verse twenty-eight, this is how you're going to know that Hashem sent me to do all these things that I did. It's not for myself. In verse twenty-nine, very famous, if these people die like every other death, then I am a liar, and Hashem did not and Hashem did not send me, but. If there's a new creation, Hashem will open the mouth of the earth and swallow them all. Then you know that Hashem sent me, you know, talk about the dramatic exit. And that's in fact what happens. And that's exactly what happens. So the skeptics will say, you know, perfect. Uh, you know, they were on a fault line and he, he timed the earthquake exactly. But uh, even that would be kind of quite amazing. Right. So he hasn't even finished talking and 
the earth splits open. Korach, his family, his possessions, Datan, Avir, and their families are children. They say, what is the, the negative power of Machlokas? It killed children who are not even, who are not even uh, eligible for death penalty. The, the, everybody, everything, the measure says that every single item that they ever, that they owned, if somebody had borrowed something and it was in another person's tent, they were like ramps, you know, shoots and ladders, like the stuff came rolling out of everybody's tents into the earth with Korach and, his, and Korach, the Tana and Abraham and their family. And that is the end of that conversation. And the next day they... So the, the Medrash tells us that some of his sons, some of his children, as they were going down, they scream out, Moshe emes v'toreto emet. That Moshe is true and his, his uh, and they, and they kind of get pushed back up. So, so it's, his own children? Not that I know. The time have already like ran their course. So the, 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 in the, you know, interesting Talmud stories, they say about, there's a, there was a, an Arab traveler who said to one of the Tanaim that if you want, I'll show you where Korach and his family were, were swallowed up. Because if you go there, you could still, if in a certain place in the desert, you could hear voices underneath saying, Moshe and the Torah You, I don't know where it is. If it's in the Talmud, they had some travel, some merchant showing the Tanaim. Like, ah, I don't, I don't think we know where it is now. Some place in the desert, whatever. Okay. What BC? But yeah, like this is not now. This is correct. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, no, correct. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's still not happening. It's just we don't have it. In the meantime, in the meantime, the people have brought their towers and they've been killed, except for Aaron. And two things happened. First of all, Hashem gives a command. in chapter seventeen says to Elazar to take the fire pans that the people used because they are holy. Even though these people died, but their that the, the bringing of the katoris was a holy act, and to take those pans and to hammer them very thin and make a coating. It's not a coating. What would it be like a like a layer? It's not a coating. Coating would be melting and pouring, but like a, a shell or something to cover for the mizbeach, so that people will always remember that this this that this story happened. The next thing that happens at the same time is that there is a plague that comes to the Jewish people and thousands of people are dying because they start complaining to Moshe, you kill the Jewish people. And um, so Moshe tells Aaron, grab the Ketoros, go find the angel of death and stop him. And, and, and Rashi brings, Rashi brings from, from, I think from the Medrash, um, that, that Aaron goes with the Ketoros. When Moshe was in heaven getting the Torah, and all the angels were giving him gifts. One of the things that the angel of death told him, by the way, Ketoris stops death. Gave him a little, uh, you know, a little plug over there. This is interesting information you should know. And uh, so Aaron takes the Ketoris and he's going and he's trying to stop the plague. And he comes face to face with the angel of death. And the angel of death is like, you need to get out of my way because God sent me to kill all the people. And he's like, sorry, Moshe sent me to stop you. He's like, yeah, but my boss trumps your boss. Right, I work for God. You're only here at Moshe's, at Moshe's command. And Aaron says, "Do you think Moshe does anything on his own? Everything that he does is from God. So if Moshe sent me here to stop you, that's really what God wants to happen." And so, sorry, dude, you're out of a job. Totally, my paraphrasing the conversation, but that's a version of that is how Rashi brings down the story. And and Aaron, and because Moshe wants the people to see that the Ketoris doesn't only kill. Their, their public exposure to Torah so far has been that it kills. 
they haven't seen that it lives, that, that it gives life. And so here they actually get to see that the Ketoris gives life. It stopped the plague and Shalom Yisrael. And the next thing that happens is they're going to do one more, one more show of strength for Aharon, and they're going to get every single elder to bring uh, each head of each head of tribe is going to bring a staff. It's going to bring a staff. When you try to say stick and staff together, you get a, re a weird word. So they're going to bring their staff. They're going to each write their name on it. Aaron is going to write his as the head of the tribe of Levi, and they're going to put all of them together in a circle with Aaron's in the center. They're going to put it next to the Holy of Holies. And in the morning, one of them is going to have a sign that Hashem, is, Hashem has chosen this person. And when they come in the morning, Aaron's staff has flowered and sprouted almonds. Okay, shkedim, which are very quick to very quick to to blossom, even though overnight is still very, 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 very quick. But uh, there's like kind of a layer of nature within a miracle, um, and everybody sees that that Aaron is in fact the one that Hashem chose. Which part? They still need to have another another visual. Yes. Yes. So all those people died. Yes. And Aaron and Aaron and Aaron. There, you know, I, I would imagine if we were to put into human terms, just imagine, right? Because Rashi says that at night, Korach went from camp to camp and from camp to camp, saying to all the people, You think I'm doing this just for myself? I'm fighting for your honor. Come support me. And the people were very confused. They're like, they didn't really want to support him, but there were a lot of people there. And when you have a big crowd, I mean, his personal crowd, the people who were on the Korach team didn't grow. Didn't, it, didn't, it didn't expand any further than his original Korach, the Tan Aviram. But there were people who were there to watch what was going on. There's a lot of chaos. Yeah. It's not like everybody has their WhatsApp and something comes through and everybody knows exactly what happened three minutes after it happened. There's rumors spreading and, there, and there's chaos and there's noise and there's crying and people are dying and they know what's happening. And, and somebody, you know, and then one person says something that becomes the truth. Five people's, you know, what about is I wonder if, and then 10 people later, that is the actual truth of the situation. It's chaos. I'm sure it's balagan there. And it, it's going to be... So we need to have another place of roga. We need to have a place of calm where we can again say, wait, lay out the facts, lay out the facts. What's going on here? The people who had the showdown with the Torah had their showdown. And now we're going to, you know, let's do one more thing. So we show and we close this parsha once and for all, who's making decisions here. And what they're going to do is they're going to have the, all the sticks and Aaron's is going to sprout and they're going to say, huh? Every single head of tribe is going to bring a trip, a, a stick. There, there are layers. Do you remember when Yusro gives, you know, a, an advice? We have the heads of the tribe, the Nisim, and then we have heads of sections and heads of things. So the people who were involved with Korah were not slouches, but they weren't the heads of the tribes. They weren't the ones who were counted whenever we counted the, whenever we named them. So everybody brings their brings their sticks, they think, and then Aaron's stick is going to sprout, and it's going to be a calm way of showing it's a visual that they're able to see that this is what happened and according to a lot of the version that stick stays in the holy of holies with the mana with the you know because the jewish people we have issues with did that really happen did that really happen so it, the stick is going to actually stay in the holy of holies it stayed overnight and then and then it, and then and then it sprouted yeah which is still very fast question Why did the which one the that went, um... 
because oh. because because people were saying you killed you killed God's people. They're like, what's going on? You killed them. You killed them. Oh my gosh, you people are dead. Oh my gosh, you can imagine being someplace and two hundred fifty people just die. Like, and the 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 the, the ramifications of the spreading. So, because people were complaining, people were complaining. That, that Moshe killed the people. And yeah, not Korah and those two hundred fifty people. You killed them. It's you doing your own stuff again. It's you being. And Hashem's like, you need to stop messing with my guy. You need to just stop this. Um, um, an interesting thing. And we talked about this, that, that Chumash Bamidbar is a book in transition. And after this Parsha, we don't hear anything else from the people for the next 35 years. Meaning this issue has been settled Lock, stock, and barrel once and for all. This is not happening anymore. There's, there's no more argument over where is Moshe getting his instructions from. And we don't hear anything. And next week's Torah portion um, in Parshas Chukas is going to already start picking up the story the last year before the Jews go into the land of Israel. So we're now, we're finishing that beginning space, that transition from, de- from, sorry, from Egypt into desert. and then. That's it. It's settled. It's closed. And we're not going to pick up the conversation again until they're just getting ready to transition from desert to the Holy Land. So this is really the the last thing that the people needed to sort of really settle them into where they are and who they are and what their mission was and to follow Moshe. And, And then we don't hear anything else about them. I want to say a couple of things. First of all, I want to say, like, it's easy to say that Korach is just a rabble rouser. And he is. And his, and his, you know, I'm not dismissing that he, you know, the, the Talmud talks about the incredible, incredible destructive nature of what he did. He, he ripped, they, you know, they talk about his name, Korach, uh, which we talked about the last time. Korach means that he was like he ripped patches of hair out of the fabric of the world. Okay, they used to heat up. He heated up the situation globally, not just in this little bowl, on so many, so many levels, right? Um, and it and it had many, many ramifications. And Moshe had to. Re- so I'm not dismissing the fact that what he did was terrible. Okay, I want to kind of make that like what he actually did was terrible. But his, you know, when Hasidus looks at Korach and says, what kind of person was he? He really was, on some level, fighting for an ultimate reality that just now was not realistic. It just wasn't the current reality. He was seeing so far ahead that he didn't see the pitfall right in front of him. He was looking to a messianic situation where the equality is, yeah, it's, it's a whole different conversation. And, and, you know, and, and maybe then the, it's a whole different situation about Kohana and who's going to, but Moshe's like, but right here, right now, we have one Kohen Gadol, we have one Beis HaMikdash, we have one, we have holiness, it's very delineated. So the Rebbe says, points out something very interesting that we see in his name. In, uh, in Chobosh, it talks about the, the creation of the world. It says, Biyom Hibaram, the day that Hashem created them. I talk about the creation of uh, Adam 
Adam and Eve as they're first joined. Uh, uh, come, Brana, come to Bobby. Come sit next to Bobby. Come sit here. Thank you. Um, and so it says, Biyomi Baram on the day that he created them. Just sit here, baby doll. And um, so the so Rashi says, Behei Baram, that with the letter Hey, Hashem created the world. Okay? So if you take a look for a second, Korah is uh, this of every single one of the letters, right? How do you spell Korah? The Kuf, the Reish, and it's a Chet. Okay, you see how similar all those letters are? So Hasidus explains, we, in our lives, we have thought and speech, and this is action, okay? Thought and speech, thought is where you have like this pristine, beautiful idea, and it gets pulled down into how we discuss our idea and our plan and our project and what we're gonna do. And then we say, wait a second, how do we actualize it? How does that fit into the world? And there is a disconnect because we think, you can think of anything really, in a pristine way, this should be what it looks like, but we need to sort of tweak it for the reality of what actually is, not what we would like it to be. But still we're reaching for a goal that's within this ideal situation that we see, right? We, we can envision, we can picture and talk about a perfect world, a perfect situation, but the action that comes along with that isn't so perfect because the world isn't perfect and it doesn't feel, we can't do everything exactly like we wish we could. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Has that, anybody ever had such a situation? Like that we, we come up against reality and it's like, we would like to be able to, and what, what's the best that we can do? That the action has to somehow fit, my, my letters are not so nice, but it has to fit in that space, but there is a disconnect. Here's my thought, here's my speech. This is what the ideal would look like, but in reality, we only have enough money to do blah, blah, blah. We only have enough support to do blah, blah, blah. And that's what a hay looks like. That's what a hay world looks like. The Kof world, this is really not the next letter, sorry. These are my ideals. This is my thought. This is my speech. But the world, none of those things can actually work in the world. Like my moral code that I believe in, how can I do business based on my moral code? Like it can't possibly work in this world. And I schlep my behavior not my Torah, but I shut my behavior down into a bad place. If this is the line where we all sit, the action ends up being not in line with what I line up with my thought and my, my thought and my speech, because I just say, well, the world, you know, what do you expect from the world? I can't play by, by, by Jewish values in, in, in business. I, I can't, it's just not going to work. And so that's the coast. That's the type of space to say we, we buy into the reality of the world too much without understanding that our values can work in the world. That's a hey, right? Here's a cliff. It's like, doesn't matter. The world is terrible. The world is so negative. And my, this is, this is my ideals. And these are my values that I really believe in. But my action, and my also, what do you want me to do? I can't help. Then you have the other person who's like, this world is terrible. I am not engaging with this world. I'm chopping out the action. I can't do it perfectly. I can't do it in the best way, like the way I see it. 
I'm just not engaging with the world. I'm not trying to change this world and make it a better place, Russia. I'm just, I'll stay in my little cocoon. I'll stay in my ghetto. I'll stay in my bubble. And the world can do whatever it wants to do because I can't affect it anyway. And we have a chet that says, it all, it doesn't matter what I do. It's all connected. It's all the same. The problem with that and the problem with that type of attitude is that it doesn't actually ground our behavior as God wants our behavior to do. We say, it doesn't matter what I do. So sometimes I don't do anything. Sometimes I just do a little bit. I could do more, but I don't push myself because it doesn't matter. It's all the same. It's all godliness. It's all, it's all beautiful. So I, I, I don't actually make brachas or daven, but I think nice thoughts. That's a ches kind of behavior. What's interesting, and what's interesting, first of all, all these letters are open on the bottom, because according to according to the to the to Jewish thought, the bottom is where negativity, so the the south is where bad stuff comes from. So, uh, yeah, and then this is actually a Mashiach letter, a final mem. A final mem is a Mashiach letter, where it is in fact there is in fact a way to integrate everything. There is no negative part of it. There is no waste to it. And everything is totally the way we envision it and the way we talk about it is the way it actually looks and the way it actually comes out. But that is our goal. That's not where we are right now. And when we try to do that, we're, we, we're forgetting that it can't actually happen right now. But that is, that's a messianic letter. The final number is a messianic letter of, yes, it's all totally integrated. And Korach was saying, to Moshe, like, couldn't we be there? And Moshe's like, but that's not where we're, we're in this world. We're in a world that's created with the hay. And we need to really work that space because every time we do another thing, that's a rebellion that we're in a different, in a different way, in a different act, in a different atmosphere, in a different attitude. It's really just a rebellion against Hashem. So I want to give us a bracha. I want to give us a bracha that this is our, for now, it is our last in-person class together. And, um, the place of, of agitating for holiness is something that we really, I think we have, and that we we've worked on and we've, de- and we've developed a lot and to be able to take it into the world in a holy way, not in a Korach way, but in a, in a Hay way to be able to take that space and understand that our job is to have beautiful ideals and talk about them in the most beautiful way and to have our actions be as tight as we can within those parameters and not you know go off into dream world where it doesn't matter or or just give up we have the ability to actually really really change the world and i want to give us a bracha as we we go in in into the world and we leave our little cocoon here um that we that we do it in a in a healthy bordered way on so many levels which we've spoken about so many different times about healthy borders we should do it in a healthy border way we should do it in a way that does not fight god because as soon as we're fighting god we're definitely on the wrong path if we think we're right but we're arguing with you know we're, we're fighting against torah fighting against mrs and we're, we missed the point and that we should all be able to gather people with us and create and create fire and 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 revolution for Hashem, not against Hashem. Have an awesome rest of the day.